0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.
1: Introducing WonderSweep from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite.
0: Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition, we go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
2: You know, there's only a few times in my life When my intuition was so strong that it was able to give me enough confidence to move forward without that outside evidence. A great example, and um, I might have even shared this with you the first time we talked because this is one of my favorite stories. Um, A great example is when I was, I had just graduated from college and I was like living out of my truck and I was a whitewater rafting guide in like the boonies of Colorado. And my intuition said, Wendy, go back to your college town in Arizona. And I was like, just kind of rationalize it, saying intuition, that doesn't make any sense. I have $80 to my name. It's going to cost me $50 in gas to go back to Prescott, Arizona. And I, I have no home. I have no job. I have no place to stay. It's the middle of summer, so all my college friends aren't even there. And my intuition, it was like so strong. It just like... And it just, I felt like it was like in my face, like there was no avoiding that intuition. Um, and that was the first time where I just, I just kind of had to make the choice. I was like, okay, if this intuition is that strong, could it, be lead, it, could it really be leading me that wrong?
0: If you haven't checked it out yet, our Sunday Quiver is like a behind-the-scenes DVD for the themes of the week's interviews. We recommend articles, books, TED Talks, and much more. And when our first book comes out in August, that's where we'll be announcing all of the pre-order bonuses. So visit unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter to sign up and to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at HostGator. The other day, I was reading an article on Medium about the eight major keys to getting hired in the 21st century, and one of those was to make a website. This is exactly what the author said. It's mandatory nowadays. Just about every job application has a field for links or website. So make one. It should say who you are, what you like to do, and what you're all about. And our friends at Hostgator can help you get started with 24 7 live support via phone chat and email you're in good hands. And they have an easy-to-use website builder if you're not too tech-savvy. And if you really want to get your hands dirty, one-click WordPress installs. Having a web presence of some sort isn't an option for your career. It's a necessity. So visit HostGator.com creative and use the promo code creative to get 30% off all hosting packages. Wendy, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
2: Oh, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, it is really, really cool to have you here. You know, it it was so funny because you mentioned that uh, I had interviewed you five years ago, back when we were called Blogcast FM. And I, you know, I I didn't even realize uh, that it had been that long and that we'd had you. I I wasn't quite sure whether we had spoken before. And, you know, you came recommended by Angela England, especially based on, you know, the uh, evolution and iteration that you've been through with your body of work, which seems to have paralleled ours. So, uh, on that note, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your story, uh, your journey, your background, and how that? has led you to all the work that you're doing now
2: well um you you said we could like chat for like an hour and you said that i could <laughs> probably not talk too much um and I, you might regret me <laughs> saying that because it really has been a long journey to get to here um my background is in um owning businesses i, I used to be a freelance graphic designer and i also um Jumped around from job to job. I actually never was employed for with any other company longer than a year and a half. I just I would get too bored with stuff. Um, I, I'd feel too constrained in a in a setting where I just didn't have the freedom to you know be either with my kids or explore new avenues of of expressing myself either personally or professionally or creatively. Um. So, but I finally kind of landed and this is almost exactly 10 years ago now, which blows my mind, in 2006, um, starting a blog, and by accident, it turned into a business. Um, and I had a lot of success with those first blogs, and still do. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, but blogging has changed a lot um, since 2006. Um so I, I had a blog network and um, I had a lot of writers working for me. And I think my highest um, year ever, I had something like, or highest month ever, I had something like five, six million page views. And I was, I was rolling in the money and, and getting lazy with things. And then in, in the beginning of 2013, or actually let me start, let me go back a second. And, and remember sitting on my um, porch in the fall of 2012, and going, is this all there is? And I, I almost tear up every time I think of that morning because it was brutal. It was an absolutely brutal moment where I'd worked my entire life to get this success. And it was just like, and it sucked. It just, like, I, I was, again, bored. It was like I was trapped at a job again. And there was, it was nothing challenging me. Um, and it was just kind of uh, I, ironic and serendipitous. In some ways, I almost think, like, I kind of, Attracted it to myself that the beginning of 2013, um, my business started falling apart. Um, Google made some interface changes where, um, and this is just super technical, but they changed their interface, and I lost like half my traffic. And then within two weeks, my ad network that I'd worked with for at that point probably four or five years said, "Well, we're we're switching focus, and we're only working with baby and parent and." new mom sites now. And since your site is working with older kids, you know, sayonara. Um, And so at the beginning of 2013, I, you know, was my husband had quit his job to start his own business. And I was the sole source of income for our family of five living in a big house that we paid way too much money for at the peak of the real estate boom. And by September of 2013, we uh, were moving out in foreclosure. God, I just like talking about this really is emotional for me because it was just kind of it was it was um, it pushed me in in so many wonderful ways. But it just pushed all my buttons in all the wrong ways as well. It's like. My life had to come apart so it could go back together in ways that would actually work. But that dismantling, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. I really wouldn't. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, we, um, we moved out of our house. Um, my husband's business actually started bringing in some money. And his is totally different than mine. He owns a marina and we moved out as far away as you possibly could from chicago and still be considered a suburb of chicago where the real estate was really cheap but the town was cute and nice and and we just really we just blank slate we started over again we depleted our savings um, in you know trying to hold on to the house we had nothing we had absolutely nothing to start with we moved into a house up here in woodstock at half the size of our old house and Ironically, it was like the start of happiness again. Um, And around that time, a publisher found some of my old coloring pages on my kids' website and said, hey, Wendy, would you like to do an adult coloring book? And I truly thought it was a scam. I I thought that this was a project that would go absolutely nowhere. I... (laughs) almost completely turned them down and just said, no, uh, no thanks. I was convinced I was going to go to them. <laughs> this is hysterical. I was going to go to them and convince them why they shouldn't do the book because it would never sell, which is so funny to say now. Um, but I took the project um, and put out of my first adult coloring book at the end of 2014. Um, and this was like just such a complete turnaround from blogging and going after page views and constantly marketing the the site and creating content, churning, churning, churning all this stuff all the time. Um, And the, the publisher actually was happy with the book, liked it enough to say, would you like to do another one? And I still kind of scratched my head. I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm looking at my, my uh, little book, stand, book scan sales in, on Amazon. I'm like, I have hardly sold anything as far as what I wanted to sell. But they're like, no, it's doing really well. I'm like, okay. And so they gave me another book. Um, and that book got on t- featured on the Huffington Post. And it was just bizarre. My life changed in an instant. Um it made it to number 36 on Amazon. Um, I sat there like just absolutely my head was spinning watching this just complete turnaround of events from walking away from this life that seemed to be perfect and yet totally wasn't working and just totally trusting the process that walking into this adult coloring book world that I truly didn't think would do go anywhere or do anything. It just suddenly took over my life. Um, And that's what I've been doing like full time ever since. And there's so many little side stories along the way that I hope we can get into in this call. Um, But uh, uh, I just – I remember right before that Huffington Post piece hit, my publisher had offered me a a book that would actually have tailored with my um, blogging stuff. And I had to make a choice. Do I go back to the blogging world and do this – do this, uh, you know, what could be easy money, but it just – it was soul-sucking. Or – do I trust the process of this going, pursuing these adult coloring books? And I turned down that other book deal. Um, and it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying because it was just like I still wasn't back on my feet fully from losing the house and everything. Um, I i mean, I was just – I was turning down in advance. I was turning down easy money, and it just like – it was like one of those gut um, – gut-driven decision that said, Wendy, don't go down that road again. Just, like, Trust the process and go towards these coloring books. And with, with really, at that point, I mean, I know they were getting popular at the time, but there was really no outside evidence to say that this could actually support me in a career. And it was just truly like an internal decision that said, this was the right way to go. And you regret regret it if you don't, and so I've learned enough in my career to follow those kinds of instincts. And it was just a week later that that Huffington Post piece hit, so it was just kind of um, a, a wonderful sort of way of watch going, watch, like just letting my life and career be dismantled and letting it kind of build itself on its own through a lot of just intuition and praying and spirituality, and trusting my gut does that make sense i hope it does because i feel like i've rambled for quite a while here No,
0: it makes sense and it raises tons of questions um i want to do something that i didn't get to do with you last time and that is ask you uh, about what i always call the journey before the journey like childhood parents mentors influences things that ultimately led you down this trajectory and down this path like when you look back at your life uh were there certain inflection points or certain people or certain experiences that you think ultimately caused all
2: of this um, you know there's a few. Uh, <laughs> I remember when I was really little my, uh, my grandparents were, were very uh, products of the um, the depression era, and my, my grandfather worked in a, a tool factory, and my grandmother was a lunch lady at a school. And to me, that was a really glamorous job when I was four years old, the lunch lady at the school, because she was at the school and I really wanted to go to school. And so every time we'd go visit my grandparents, I would take the coloring books out of her um, toy bin and I would color them and I would give them the, them to my grandmother to grade them because in my mind, she was, the, you know, the ultimate thing, like a teacher. She, she wasn't a lunch lady. She was, the, you know, I had her on this pedestal and trust me, she deserved to be there. She was a wonderful woman. And every time she would grade my coloring, she'd give me, she'd get out her red pen, she'd write an A plus at the top and give it back to me. And I would feel all proud and accomplished, like I got an A plus on my coloring page. And um, I frequently look back on that, um, just that empowerment that um, my grandparents and my parents always gave to me, that they always, Told me and believed me, believed in me that even when it seemed like I was really on the wrong path, that they believed that I'd be able to pull my head out of my ass. Pardon the language. I hope that's okay. But they just always believed that I would be able to land on my feet and get where it was that I needed to go. And I know that was really painful for them. Across, you know, over many years as a teenager and, and really into my twenties of falling down and, and letting me again just fall down and pick myself back up and, and reinvent myself. Um, and, and that's really kind of been my creative career as well. Like I never thought that I could draw when I was young and I would get really frustrated with it. Like I'd see these beautiful images in my head and I'd try to get them out on paper and they'd look like stick figures and I'd give up. Um, so when I went to college, or actually, when I was in high school, um, I took a, a photography class, and that was the first kind of success that I had with art, where I could finally, like, see something in my head, and it, I didn't rely on my hands and that art, like, on any kind of undeveloped artistic talent to be able to get it out on paper. I could take the picture. I could make it look beautiful. I could go into the dark room. Actually, it was a wet dark room back then. But I could go into the dark room and print a picture, and it was actually beautiful when I was done. And that really kind of was a transformative time in my life because it opened up my i just my mind to that art is not just using your hand to put pretty pictures on a page. Art is just so much more than that. Um, and even though I've tried to like be art artistic and creative throughout my entire career. I've kind of gone back and forth between using those creative and artistic skills and going back and then doing more marketing and strategic planning, which has really served me well. Um, but it sometimes the two would kind of hinder each other. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, that That's um, really the only two things that I can think of from my childhood that were really impactful, except for when, um, it was like my second or third year of college where I had a photography teacher who was brutal. Just, there was nothing that I could do that could please this man. And the photographs that I took that he's like, I remember so specifically, he's like, don't tell me that you can't do this work. And he threw one of my photographs down in front of me. He's like, this is beautiful shit. I know that you can handle this. And I looked at the picture that he threw in front of me and it was one I'd taken. And it was like one I absolutely hated. It was like my least favorite picture I'd ever taken. And I was like, how can you find this stuff? good? I don't understand. Um, that lesson was really, it was another one of those kind of dismantling and challenging things for me to learn because I actually walked away from, tog- for, for, from photography for a while after that because um, I felt like, well, if this guy is so hard to please and if I want to be a professional photographer, I'm going to have to please, try to please other clients that I'm not going to be able to please and I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. I didn't have the confidence or the marketing skills or any of that back then to overcome that. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons that I ended up bouncing back and forth between marketing and art and marketing and art because I never really had the confidence in my art skills and I thought I needed the marketing skills to be able to pull it off. And, you know, even though that came from a kind of a place of insecurity, um, that was really one of the best things that ever happened in my career. So that's... um, kind of powerful me to, to like not take in like insecurities or disempowering beliefs and and believe them but take them more at the face level like what I'm what is this like negative thing that's coming up for me trying to tell me or you know what can I learn from this because now I mean this is you know after I'm almost 50 years old to be honest with you that kind of is weird um But now I have, you know, like 10, 15 years of marketing experience and I have 10, 15 years of art and illustration experience. And you know what? I truly feel like I'm in a great place right now, like a really great place right now. Um, Again, I hope that answered your question. Uh,
0: There's something you've said multiple times uh, throughout our conversation, and it was this notion of, of falling apart, picking yourself back up and reinventing yourself, and do you think that that's something that can only be learned by falling apart and having to pick yourself up? Or do you think that can be developed? Uh, and if so, how?
2: Oh, God, that is a really good question. Because if there was an easier way to do it than actually having to go through it, I totally take that way. Um, and yet I don't really know. Um, I think that anybody who has reinvented themselves who's kind of just gone through because it's not just a it's not just a financial loss it's it's not just a personal loss it's not just a spiritual loss it's like them all rolled up into one when you have to reinvent yourself um, and people who've walked through that and have gotten to the other side i mean there's a lot of those kind of people out there who are taking what they've learned from that experience and sharing it with others, either through courses or mentorship or giving advice or, you know, in in those kinds of ways. So I would say that the work is out there and the stuff that I've learned and the stuff that these other people have learned is there for people to take it and absorb it and use it. But I don't really know that people can get the kind of deep, 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 like down to the core of your being learnings. Um, unless you're kind of like going through one of those, it's almost like an addict that's bottoming out. I mean, that's kind of a bad analogy, but I, you know, it's, it's a little bit of that having just kind of that soul searchingness, where you have to look nowhere for answers except for within yourself. Um, I've actually, I actually, that that I'm still not. I don't feel like I'm answering your question. And actually, you know what? Here it is. What it is. I really want to say yes, Sarini. <laughs> yeah. I really do, and I've not seen anybody do it. I really don't think I have.
0: Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, I, and you know, <clears throat> I don't ask questions expecting to get concrete answers. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody told me this weekend. Uh, it was Philip and Kernan who was a, was a guest on our show. He said, often we look for intellectual answers for quest- emotional questions, and that they just don't exist.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I've really I've taken a, a lot of a different approach to personal development over the last almost two years now, where I used to like feel like there was something with, was broken with me. And then I'm like, all right, I got to go fix myself. hmm. So I'd read some, you know, self-help book or I'd go to some personal development seminar and they would be amazing. And I'd, like, find all these insights, all these breakthroughs, and I'd, like, get on the right track. And I'd be like, woohoo, my life is, like, working again. I don't need that personal development stuff anymore. I'm fixed. <laughs> Which, And I, I'm, I'm saying this in a comical way, like, kind of being over, um, emphasizing just kind of the absurdity of it, because I mean, I really did think that it's like that, you know, that there is a way to fix ourselves and that we can get to somewhere where we can coast. And it was just inevitable that no matter any, any time that I would go and um, find insights that just seemed like I had, you know, healed and I don't even want to say fix, like healed a part of myself. And I truly did do a ton of healing over, you know, many, many years. Um, that and I really expected that to kind of stick and work, and it never did. And it finally occurred to me there was two things that happened in 2014 that really shifted my thinking on this. Um, and I'm going to tear up again. Um, my mom has Alzheimer's, and she's pretty bad right now. But in 2014, we put her in a nursing home, and she started it just. Really doing well, and my dad and I were just working really closely on this, and um, and we were both kind of questioning, like, "Wow, should we have put her in this home? She's like really doing like better than she was outside the home." And we we finally realized that it wasn't that um, it wasn't that she was suddenly doing better. And that we should take her out of there. It's the environment. It was the constant care and nurturing. She's an amazing place, by the way. It was that environment of constant support, of constant stimulation, of constant, like, um, just nurturing that allowed her to just excel. And then it was around the same time, I was at the Museum of Science and Industry here in Chicago and I saw a quote from the Dalai Lama that said, happiness is not something ready-made, it comes from your own actions. And between those two things, I was like, oh my God, I've been thinking about personal development all wrong. I never needed fixing, I never needed to be healed. It was the act, it was putting myself in that nurturing environment, God, I'm sorry. It was putting myself into that that nurturing environment that allowed me to thrive, and it was never that I needed fixing at all. Um, and so I started a meditation practice, a daily meditation practice. I started a daily journaling practice. I cleaned up my diet, um, and I started... working on my happiness and I started like and I would read personal development books not to fix myself but to continually put myself in that environment of thriving and it's it's like it's just completely transformed my career it's transformed my life it's transformed my marriage it's transformed my relationship with my kids there's you know I was reading I was listening to um one of your recent episodes where um about environments Mm -hmm. And I I heard your interviewee say that when you transform one environment, it starts transforming all the other environments around you. And that's exactly what happened when I started just really just nurturing myself for the sake of nurturing myself. It just like spread like a wave to the people I love the most around me and to, and to the projects that I care about the most.
0: So the photography teacher, uh, you know, that raises a question for me. You know, often in our lives, we will come across people, uh, sometimes even the ones who are closest to us, who will reinforce uh, negative self-image or self-doubt or the worst things we already think about ourselves. Uh, how do you not let moments like that define you? Uh,
2: um. I would say that that they they in some ways they do define me but not in a negative way. Um I'm trying to think one of the things that I got out of ironically enough going to Tony Robbins events was um how, like what are the questions that we ask ourselves. And this is one of the most valuable things I got out of the seminars that I went to of his um was what are the questions that we ask ourselves. And and how that completely frames how we experience our world. So, for example, let's take um, the photography teacher at the time. The questions that I would ask myself: Well, why doesn't he like me? Why am I not good enough? Why can't I get this guy to approve of my stuff? Why can't I get this guy to like my work? Um, so when you ask a question like that, they're like crappy questions. When you're asked crappy questions, you're going to get crappy answers. And so then, you know, well, why can't I get this, I get this guy to like my work? The answer I would tell myself was, well, because your work is crap, you know, because you're not good enough, because you can't handle this, Wendy. And I kind of lived with that for a while. And so one of the things I'm really conscious of now is whenever I get into a place where I could ask myself really crappy questions about my situation, or there's a really crappy situation um, is to be really mindful and really aware of the questions that I ask myself in, in my internal dialogue. So now oh, this is the perfect example. Okay. So I was, I recently took a, a class called make art that sells with a little Rogers and she's one of the top illustration agents in the country. And, I felt like I had gone from like being a big fish in a small pond of the coloring book world. And then I jumped into this class and I just jumped into an ocean of talent because some of the most successful and talented illustrators in the world are in this class. And I'm comparing myself to them and going, Oh my God, I'm not worthy. Their stuff is so amazing. So every time I had those feelings of insecurity come up and every time um this teacher would overlook my work and, and um, point out other people's works that, that was better, I could have asked myself once again, why isn't this teacher looking at my work? Why, you know, why can't I get her attention? Is my work good enough? And I, I could again come up with these crappy questions and come up with crappy answers. And I approached it completely this, this differently this time, where I was like, where am I improving here? What am I really getting out of this class? Why am I really here in the first place? Is it here to please this teacher who's you know this great illustration agent, That would be nice, but is that why I'm really here? And the true answer to that question was no. I'm not in this class to please this teacher. I am here because I want to expand my skills and my knowledge. And so, and then I, okay, so if that's why I'm here, have I expanded my skills and my knowledge? And I, then there's an unequivocal, yes, I have grown so much in this class. Um, so back to your question, do those, you know, kind of negative and, and disempowering moments define you? They, they, you choose how they define you. And, and that's really something that I, I'm conscious of. And so I'm all about finding value and great just like creating new empowering beliefs out of crappy situations um, and that's something I think again going back to the you know when you're reinventing yourself it's what you have to do when you're faced with just kind of failure on every single level how do you pick yourself up from that unless you can find something empowering in it to pull yourself up by your freaking bootstraps and carry on again. So again, I hope that answers your question.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So there's a the question of what you think separates.
3: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. For full, important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
1: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite.
0: Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell-by-cell with the power of cellular nutrition. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is uh, the person who ends up making it to the other side uh, in an experience like this versus the one who doesn't. And again, I don't expect a concrete answer. I'm just curious what you think. Oh, ask that question again. So, in a situation like the one you described, there are people who will make it to the other side uh, out of what Seth Godin calls the dip. And there are inevitably people who I think don't. Uh, And I've wondered what you think separates the two. I've I've asked this, you know, some form of this to a lot of people. I guess Mm -hmm. the the real question is the, the people who experience post traumatic growth versus post traumatic stress.
2: Right. Um,. Uh, I mean, let me first say that I can fully admit that I'm not always on the growth side. Well, sometimes I let myself fall into the post-traumatic stress. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, I just can't let myself stay there because it just drives me nuts. Um, I don't want to disparage people who kind of fall, who, who can't make it through to the other side um, by saying this. But for me, when I don't make it through to the other side, it's because I'm holding on to some sort of victimhood. And personally, I that's a trait that I cannot stand in others because I cannot stand it in myself. And when I get there and I throw a big pity party for myself, I can only, like, wallow in that for so long before I just want to, like, jump out of my own skin and because I just can't handle it for very long. Um, but I do do it from, you know, from time to time. I'm not immune to it. Um, but that's one of the ways that I don't make it to the other side. And I'm sure there's other ways that people don't make it to the other side. So that's why I kind of wanted to like, preface that by saying that, you know, I don't think anybody who doesn't make it to the other side isn't wallowing around in victimhood. Um, that's just my pattern. Um, you know... This might sound harsh, but I, I think that some people are more committed to they, they get too much out of perpetuating their negative habits rather than being able to break out of them into a world that's really uncomfortable and unknown to them. Um, there's there's a lot of payoff. I mean it's not I mean it's not empowering payoff but there's a lot of payoff to sitting around in, in negative beliefs where it gives you a reason I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say me it, it gave me a reason to <clears throat> to not go after success because then I'd be afraid of success and if I was successful how do I handle it I'd screw it up I, you know it's like continue <clears throat> continually going through a um, pattern of failing or disempowering beliefs never stretched me outside of my comfort zone and I never had to find out if the greatness within me was either real or if I was just telling myself that and I was afraid that I might have just been a fake and that I'd just been telling myself it and it was a lie all along and so the payoff you know was is very kind of self preserving and self-protective of me of, of myself of of Trying, I mean, and it wasn't for negative reasons. It was, you know, truly trying to be kind to myself in some ways, in a twisted way. Um, It took a lot of courage. and I mean, courage that I didn't think I had within me to not only, like, find success, but to not sabotage the heck out of it. Um, That, honestly, was one of the most challenging things of my entire career, (laughs) which sounds so messed up, but it's so true. Um that was that that actually took the most vigilant and intensive kind of reprogramming of my brain um that I've ever done as far as personal development work is concerned. Um and and it's really it's been just through a lot of going I mean really reaching out through just reading self-help books, going to seminars, getting coaches, getting mentors of getting outside of my old way of thinking and finding new ways of approaching just like my everyday thoughts. And I don't really know that a lot of people are even aware of that, um, of how their thoughts can rule their lives. Um, or maybe maybe a lot of people are but they don't know how to change it um i don't know i don't know i have much more to say about that i'm 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 messing up with my i'm, I'm messing with my own head trying to explain it <laughs>
0: There's more of my conversation with Wendy after this message from our sponsors. I recently got a new Berkson backpack. It's so cool that it's solar powered, meaning there's an actual solar panel on the backpack that's connected to a charger for your iPhone or any other device that you can charge with the USB. Not only that, the bag is super compact. I took it with me on a recent trip, and I love this thing. You can fit enough into it for a two-day trip, fly through airport security, and it even fits under your seat and designs and creates innovative products that power smartphones and portable devices anytime, anywhere. And all Berkson products are designed in California and created with a really hands-on approach. They spend months and often years working with the best suppliers before a product gets put on the website. Their goal is to create products that you'll love and you're proud of. And it's music festival season. Things like Coachella are coming up. And this is a perfect backpack since you're away from outlets all day. And if you've ever had your phone run out of battery and people can't get in touch with you, you know what a hassle that is. It's great for a beach, hiking, traveling, even going to conferences. It's great to to use when you're skiing or snowboarding or to keep your GoPro charged. And Berksun is offering free shipping, so just go to Berksun.com slash podcast. Again, get free shipping by visiting Berksun.com slash podcast. Berksun, find your son and start charging. 80% of the people in the world don't fit into a standard size and chances are you're one of them. Son of a Tailor makes hundred percent custom fitted t-shirts to the unique measurements of each customer. Ordering is easy and you simply answer six simple questions and their algorithm will construct the perfect t-shirt pattern. No extra measuring needed. And all t-shirts from Son of a Tailor come with a perfect fit guarantee, which means that if you don't love your first t-shirt, they'll make you a new one. No questions asked. Son of a Taylor has free worldwide shipping. So go to www.sonofataylor.com and use the voucher code creative at checkout for 30% off your first t-shirt. Again, that's www.sonofataylor.com and use the voucher code creative at checkout for 30% off your first t-shirt. You need to know how to cook. Not only do you feel like you know your way around a kitchen, but cooking at home means eating healthier and saving money instead of ordering expensive takeout again. But where do you start? Blue Apron has you covered. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers all the fresh ingredients you need to create home-cooked meals. Just follow the easy step-by-step instructions. Each meal can be prepared in under 40 minutes or less, no overwhelming trips to the grocery store, and no more sad takeout. And no matter your dietary preferences, Blue Apron makes it a breeze to discover and prepare dishes like chicken katachori right there in your own kitchen. You can cook with ingredients that you've never used before, like watermelon, radishes, and purple potatoes. And all the recipes are between five to 700 calories per portion, so they're delicious and they're good for you. And right now, you can get your first two meals for free at blueapron.com slash podcast. That's blueapron.com slash podcast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And last but not least, our friends at HostGator. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, just about every job application you'll fill out has a field for links or websites, so it's really important to make one, and our friends at HostGator can help you get started with that. They have 24-7 live support via phone, chat, and email, a website builder if you're not tech-savvy, and one-click WordPress installs if you really want to get your hands dirty. Having a web presence of some sort isn't an option for your career anymore. It's a necessity, so visit hostgator.com slash creative to get started and use the promo code creative for 30% off all hosting packages. Now, back to my conversation with Wendy. Well, so when you experience a loss as significant as the one you did uh you know with a house with a business, the question that raises for me is uh, navigating the loss of identity that occurs when a big part of our work uh ends up going with it and and what that looks like and how people do it. And then the other, other piece of that question uh, is something that you'd said earlier. You said, you know, trust the process without any outside evidence. And I'm wondering how people do that in their own lives.
2: Hmm. Um, you know, there's only a few times in my life when my intuition was so strong That it was able to give me enough confidence to move forward without that outside evidence. A great example, and um, I might have even shared this with you the first time we talked, because this is one of my favorite stories. Um, A great example is when I was, I had just graduated from college and I was like living out of my truck and I was a whitewater rafting guide in like the boonies of Colorado. And my intuition said, Wendy, go back to your college town in Arizona. And I was like, just kind of rationalize it, saying intuition, that doesn't make any sense. I have $80 to my name. It's going to cost me $50 in gas to go back to Prescott, Arizona. And I, I have no home. I have no job. I have no place to stay. It's the middle of summer. So all my college friends aren't even there. And my intuition, it was like so strong. It just like... And it just, I felt like it was like in my face, like there was no avoiding that intuition. Um, and that was the first time where I just, I just kind of had to make the choice. I was like, okay, if this intuition is that strong, could it, be lead, it, could it really be leading me that wrong? Because I, I ra- tried to rationalize myself out of it. I tried to talk myself out of it. I mean, just the intuition just coming back saying, Wendy, go back to Arizona. So I finally just gave in. And I said, "Okay, you know, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to end up in Arizona and living out of my truck while I'm living in Colorado, living out of my truck. So it's really not that bad. Um, So I took that $50 in gas and I drove back to Arizona. I, I ended up there with $30 in cash to my name. That was all I had. I slept in my truck. I woke up the next morning. I went to the Salvation Army for breakfast, the worst breakfast of my life and one of the most humbling experiences of my life. And I vowed I would never go back there. And I walked into the unemployment office. And I had gone to a very hippie college. And I didn't have any really marketable skills. And this was 1992. And at that time, that was kind of uh, in a depression. I mean, not a depression, a recession as well. And so I really didn't think that anything was going to happen, but the intuition kept saying, just do this. So I showed up for it. And I think maybe that's the key right there is that I showed up for it. Um, and in the, um, unemployment office, the woman looked at my resume and she just kind of got this like confused, like, Like, wow, that's weird kind of look on her face. And she walks off and she comes back and she's like, this job bulletin just came in two days ago. She said, the Girl Scouts, um, the the camp that's here in town, um, just lost one of their counselors. and They need a new one. And it's going to pay you however much it was per week. I think it was like $75 a week, which was, I mean, for what I had, it was great. But it's also going to give you free room and board. And um, you can start tomorrow. And at that point, I just, it was like, that was a life-changing moment for me because the intuition spoke, I showed up, I listened, and it was, it was like, and everything was okay. And I truly, within 48 hours of arriving back in Arizona, I had a job, I had a room, I had a place to live, and, um, and that tidied me over until I could get more work and, and a more solid place to live. Um, taking that leap is not, that's, is something that's easy to do. And, and I kind of think that it takes a str- an extraordinary person to be able to tune out the outside world and listen to with, to whatever, you know, your gut is telling you within. Um, but there are you know, there's, it's like, it's not that uncommon. There are so many, authors and speakers and mentors and leaders that say, listen to that inner voice, listen to that inner gut. Um, And I'm just echoing that. Like, yeah, if you do, if you, I mean, if it's truly what you're supposed to be doing, you've got to freaking listen to it. I mean, it's like that. I mean, why even show up for life if you're not going to listen to, the guiding voice that's within you that, I mean, you can call it God, you can just call it your, you know, higher intelligence. I mean, I don't know the universe, whatever you want to call it. If you're not going to listen to it, why even show up for life? I mean, otherwise we're just sitting here shuffling paper and, you know, stuck in our daily commute every morning. I mean, we are all on this earth to do bigger things than shuffle paper. Um, And the only way that we can figure out why it is that we're here is to tune in within.
0: So. Mm. That was beautiful. Uh, You know, I have a question, and I'm I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this. Um, You know, we've had a lot of people who've amassed significant amounts of personal wealth uh, as guests on the show. And it's always interesting to hear their answers, but you've seen kind of the extremes of this. Uh, of a, amassing you know success financially, and then of course you know based on the story you just told me, not having money and i 'm just curious you know what has happened to your internal narrative around money and wealth based on the experiences that you 've been through
2: Oh, I work on that a lot um, you know i 've been actually and I know it sounds cheesy, but I really do believe in the law of attraction stuff. And I've been reading about it and studying th- that kind of um, those materials for over 20 years. Um, and I mean, to be brutally honest with myself, when I had that moment in 2012 when I said, is this all there is? I think that a part of me was just so fried and bored and feeling trapped and unsatisfied with my career that I drew to myself some, you know, basically some things that would totally disrupt my way of being. Um, <laughs> well, maybe because I don't know if I didn't feel like I deserved it. No, I don't I really think that's it. But I I take responsibility for drawing to myself myself. Um, The circumstances that happened in 2013 that dismantled my business. I don't think that those just like, you know, well, let me say at the time in 2013, I was all flailing like, oh, poor me. Look what Google did to me. Look what, you know, my ad network did to me. I'm screwed. You know, I wallowed in that for a while. Um, And it wasn't until I started taking responsibility for both the good and the bad that happened in my life until I could actually feel like I could get to a place of power again. Um, so last year I started really diving into law of attractions stuff again. Um, and I really started digging through my disempowering beliefs and not even just around money, but just like looking at, you know, who is it that I could forgive in my life And, and practicing like forgiveness, um, This is actually from a book, and it's got a super cheesy title, and I'm usually embarrassed to admit that i read it. It's called Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, and it looks – it truly looks like um, a scam in writing, and it was honestly one of the most profound books that I ever read on the law of attraction stuff because she is – her main thing is who is it that you can forgive in your life so that you can declutter your kind of emotions to draw – more wealth in and she's not just talking about financial wealth, wealth. She's talking about spiritual and emotional wealth as well. Um and I realized I was carrying around so much anger and and just about stupid stuff that I did just didn't even realize still bothered me. You now I I spent weeks like writing daily forgiveness stuff. I forgive the bullies who, you know, beat me up in high school. I forgive that teacher who gave me an F on a paper. Like Anything that still brought up negativity when I thought about it, I'd forgive it. Um, And I really start, and when I went through that kind of decluttering and clearing process of all that forgiveness work, um, I was able then to start really kind of, um, there's no other really, I started installing more um, empowering and uh, just happier beliefs around money in general. Um, And I'll I'll have to admit that the amount of forgiveness work that I had to forgive myself was almost more than I had to forgive other people. Because then I started putting myself into hypothetical situations. Like, what if I make so much money that, um, like, I'm then the most wealthy of my friends you know, are they going to get pissed off at me? Are they going to start calling me greedy? Are they going to start, you know, resenting me for all this success? Um, and I would have to, like, forgive myself for making this money that I hadn't even made yet. But it was just like it, it uncovered, like, all this gunk. There's really no other way to put it. It was just like, you know, the fear of success thing was like, it was overpowering and it was so holding me back. Um, and so every single day, and I still do this now, I was writing out daily forgiveness stuff. Um, and so much of that gunk was around money and it's just, and it's just stuff that's programmed into all of us, um, from a really early, early age. It's like just kind of, even the just stories like even in movies where, you know, the rich woman, you know, is usually the bad, you know, the bitch in in the movie that, you know, is the one, and it's the poor young single mom who ends up being the, you know, the, the hero in the end kind of thing that in some ways money is both, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Money in our society is like it's it's lauded and and everybody says that it's great, but on the other side of it, it's also de- demonized. Is the word I'm looking for that m- money and wealth can be really demonized? Like, look at everything with the um, Occupy Wall Street stuff. Now, I'm honestly a total believer in the Occupy Wall Street movement, but the amount of anger and hostility towards people with money in there is not really serving that movement um, or serving those people in it because it's just it's so much anger around money And, and that's another thing that I forgave I forgave the people on Wall Street I forgave um Chase for, I mean, that was a hard, that was a hard day of writing. I forgave Chase for totally screwing us over when we tried to refi our mortgage and instead, you know, going up, you know, kind of helping us go into foreclosure. Uh, I forgave them all. Um, And I know this sounds kind of just all weird and and messy and it was very gunky, but the results in it just, I, I mean, it's really, it was a proof that I was on the right track because Last December, just last December, I made more money than I did in all of 2013. So that's – I mean that's – my relationship with money is an ongoing kind of – I don't want to say struggle because it's not. But it's an ongoing exploration. I'm constantly looking for – more things to forgive i'm really vigilant about having negative beliefs about stuff like even just having a conversation with a family member and we were talking about somebody with a lot of money and my family was, huh yeah must be nice wish he'd spread it around it's just like even just those little tiny offhanded comments where i'm just like i used to be that person i used to resent that person you know i I used to resent that relative for having so much money and like the more that i resented that wealth the, the more i kept it away from myself um again i hope that answers your question
0: yeah yeah it definitely does um so two last questions for you uh cool. and this is something I always ask everybody who works uh across multiple art forms and genres uh, I'm curious how each art form has influenced the other like how does the writing influence the drawing how' photography influenced uh you know the writing and the art uh which you know obviously and vice versa yeah oh,
2: you know, I never thought about I guess I have thought about it a little bit, but I haven't really thought about it concretely enough, so I'm gonna kind of make up this answer as I go along um. <laughs> My creativity, like, really goes in, in phases. Um, it's like, you know, for a few years, I'll knit. And then for a few years, I'll sew. And then for a few years, I'll draw. And then for a few years, I'll do more photography stuff. Um, and then for a few years, I'll write. Um, and so for me, they're all basically my creative outlet. I always have to have something. I mean there's there's if if there's got to be something otherwise I would go absolutely nuts and my family would probably lock me up somewhere because I would not be that fun to deal with or live with. Um but one of the things that I love about having all these different creative avenues is that um it keeps me from getting bored because Truly, right now, I'm kind of living the illustrator's dream as far as I have four adult coloring books out right now. I have two more on the way, and I have another one that I'm working on in progress. I mean, two more on the way that are already done, um, just haven't been published yet, and I have an, a, a seventh one in progress, and possibly even an eighth one, um, and I have passive income coming from all my blog stuff, and... At the same time, I am never going to let myself get to that point where I say, is this all there is? Um, truly, that's, that to me is just kind of death to a creative person. So um, even though I don't know that the writing really informs my artwork, um, if my artwork starts getting boring... I'll go and start doing the writing or I'll start doing the knitting or the sewing or just something else to continue the, um, the flow just being able to in that, be in that creative flow. Because if I let myself get out of that creative flow, it's like, it's a real fight to have to get back into it. Um, and, and they all really support each other and, and just kind of, weird intangible difficult to explain kinds of ways um, uh, I'm trying to think like well here's here's a perfect example like I used to do a ton of sewing I would create my own bags I'd, I'd like my own patterns I did a lot of sewing of bags and, and clothing um, and and even thought about doing something more in the fashion world um, but it just it really wasn't for me, and I recognized that pretty early on. Um, but now that work really helps me when I'm creating patterns for illustration stuff. And now as I, I like, try to think about expanding my illustration career, designing for fabric is actually one of the easiest thing for, things for me to think about. And I know the industry. I know the market. I know the needs of all different kinds of sewers from quilters to, fabric, to, to um, fashion sewers to um, and so it's like that work, even though it didn't really seem very related to what I'm doing now, does inform the work that I do now. Um, you know, writing. I wrote a book in 2011 called "Mom Blogging for Dummies." I'm not really sure how much that informs my illustration work, um, but you know, actually, if you can think about it, it was in a roundabout way, um, it was the mom the the blog that I wrote wu jr kids activities where i first drew mandala coloring pages that were found by ulysses press which led to all the work that i'm doing now so it was just kind of a weird and winding winding road but the writing did lead to all the work that i'm doing now you just i don't really know that anybody could kind of plan that path it was a little random and weird and (laughs) and not something that you know you could really probably put together on purpose um Maybe that was one of one of those divine intervention things. Um, but I, I truly feel like as long as you're kind of honoring that creativity within you, um, that it brings you to new places in your career and, and kind of for yourself personally and spiritually um, in just very unexpected ways.
0: Mm. Uh, <clears throat> well, this has been phenomenal. I have – One last question for you, which is how we close all our interviews with the unmistakable creative. Uh, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Say that again. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable?
2: Unmistakable. You know, I really think it's someone who is true to their self. Um, and I don't mean like somebody who's true to, um, their lowest self, or true to their insecurities. Or I think it makes someone who is able to look at the negativity, because we all have it in our lives, is, is to be able to look at the negativity in their world and say, you know what? That's not who I am. I'm going to be true to the good in me, and I'm going to be true to my talents, to my strengths. And, you know, as those insecurities or the negativity, it's going to come up. I'm just not going to be true to it. And that's fine. And that's really like when I say I said mindfulness early on and the meditation stuff, that's truly what's helped me the most with that is that when all those old patterns and negative beliefs come up where I could just say, oh, hey, there you are. But I've got this now. I'm not going to be that's not what I'm honoring in my day. I'm not going to be honoring, you know, spending 10 hours on Facebook and wasting my time, I'm going to be honoring the genius within me. And it might not be genius that comes out, (laughs) let me make that distinction, Um, on a daily basis, but at least I'm going to honor that part of myself. And I think that when I come across so many amazing people in this career, um, and I would honestly say that you are definitely one of them, Srini, that (laughs) you... You honor the greatness in other people, and you honor the greatness in yourself, and that's what I think makes people unmistakable.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for saying that, and uh, I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share your story and uh, your insights with all listeners. This has been phenomenal.
2: Awesome. It was that was a emotionally um, wonderfully. Um, Converse, a wonderful conversation to have with you. I, I love talking with you. Every time we've talked, it's been just a really cool conversation. So hopefully we get to do it again sometime, maybe in less than another five years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Next time on the unmistakable creative.
2: I feel like my path to maybe not to what I'm doing, like literally right now with this, um, with the teaching of, um, systems, but like what I've been doing the last, whatever, 15 years of um, teaching comics and writing about comics and writing comics and making comics, like, it looks like, like a path laid out with a ruler, you know, like, it's such a straight path. And yet, I could never
0: have pictured where it was going. And I was on the other side of it. Jessica Abel joins us to share storytelling lessons from the iconic producers of radio.